All right. Hey, everybody. We are welcomed by Ulysses Martin. And I have never interviewed anyone with this cool first name. It's like one of the oldest names ever. I think we have a U.S. Hey, president. Can off? Mm -hmm. Hey, can you hear me okay? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Just uh, removing this icon off the screen. Go ahead. Okay. So how do I pronounce your first name so I don't mess it up? Just like the president, Ulysses. Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant. And now, what? Now, I, I've never met anyone with your first name. Do you mind just telling us how your parents came up with it, real quick, for you? Uh, well, my um, I'm a junior. Okay. Uh, but my grandfather was um, the superintendent of the prison system in Cuba. Ooh. And uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy. That's crazy. And, uh, mm -hmm. He named his children like, you know, like big mythological names, you know. I love so it. He yeah. named my dad Ulysses with the idea that uh, we tend to live up to our names. I think that is a cool name. I, thank you for sharing. So thank you again for joining uh, me and my little podcast. You know, I was so here, glad to you know hear from you last week when you wrote me an email talking about how you were listening to the show. And I was excited to kind of read about your story. I've interviewed a lot of people with spinal cord injuries. You, however, have a very unique story. You're doing a lot in your life up until you were injured a few years ago. You're a former MMA fighter, right? <laughs> Amateur, you have to have um, the way the MMA the way um, MMA works is you have to have ten amateur fights under your belt, and then they allow you to go pro. So I only had four in the local the local market, um, but I was doing well. I was on my way. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you are also um, doing biz. You're like an actor too. Was that something you were interested in before your injury as well? Yeah, I did a little bit of acting, mostly some small, what they would call independent films, because okay. Chicago, Chicago's a big theater town, mm -hmm. and they do a lot of small uh, independent films. Oh, I bet they do. That's where you're from. So do, are you born and raised, or not born and raised, or where are you from exactly? Um, I, um, I was born in Chicago. Okay. I was born with severe asthma, and then so... My grandparents, who had retired from General Electric, they bought uh, they bought land in Dominican Republic because it resembles it resembles Cuba. My my parents are Cuban immigrants, yeah. so I was raised on a farm until I was out until I was about ten. Wow! I was brought back up to Chicago after okay. I had uh, you know I beat I beat the asthma because of you know the organic diet and nice. the lifestyle of being on a farm. So, yeah. That sounds like a beautiful upbringing in the Dominican Republic. Was it like just jungle everywhere? What were they growing out there? I mean, it was literally like, um, like super tropical. I mean, like I would climb coconut trees and mango trees and everything we ate was off the land. And I remember milking the cows and cool. um, I would ride a horse bareback just grabbing the horse's mane and wow. um yeah i mean i think it's something that uh there's a big disconnect now with uh with nature like most kids in the united states they don't know anything about you know um identifying with nature i mean like they don't know 
you know, someone had to kill the chicken that you're eating. <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> Not enough kids in the cities know. There's a lot of rural kids in the U.S. that do know where chickens come from, but the city city kids don't know nothing. So oh, let me ask you this. When you moved to Chicago, was that crazy moving back to Chicago then? Well, yeah, it was a culture shock. I mean, the kids, you know, they're different. You know, it's, um, you know, you can't compare a huge industrial commercial city like Chicago to, you know, third world, no. like, third world tropical environment. <laughs> so for me, it was a big culture shock, yeah. but, uh, but I adjusted well and Good. grew up in the city. Cool. So, all right. So how would, I know your injury happened in 2018 and we're going to get to how that happened, but the reason I'm kind of going from your, your early years is just because I always like to know, how someone where everybody was at right when your injury occurred. So you're kind of back in Chicago, you're making your way. And I imagine you went back to high school and you were pretty cool. Cause you're a big guy. You were like, were you fighting in high school and stuff? Like what was your, were you well, doing athletics in high school? I mean, I was, um, I was a really, um, a rough kid. Uh -huh. So I got sent to a military Academy. Oh, you did. Um, I got wow. sent to St. John's in uh, Delafield, Wisconsin, which at the time was yeah. like the third best military academy in the country. And yeah. my dad did that because I just simply needed the discipline because wow. Chicago in the 90s was uh, really crazy. I mean, people think Chicago is rough now because of all the shootings, but mm -hmm. that's nothing compared to how rough it was in the 90s. So my dad tried to um, help me navigate that yeah. and send me to a military school. But I was always in athletics. I mean, I uh, uh, pop water football, pop right. water baseball, yeah. high school football, wrestling. And then um, I was always inclined <clears throat> to anything that, anything that has to do with a collision. Like, you know, with football, I played, oh my God, I played... Um, you know, like 12 years of minor league football. Cool. Two years, yeah, two years of arena football. What position? Running back. Wow. And, uh, yeah, running back and sometimes outside linebacker. I'd love to watch that. Running backs are my favorite position to watch. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the guy with the ball. I know, right? <laughs> it's the guy with the ball. I bet you, you love it or was, is it, is football, was that a love of yours or were you just good at it? So you decided to do it. No, no, football was a, um, it was almost like a primal, it was a primal passion. Like when I first discovered it, when I was, I was like 10, no, no, I was like 12 in grammar school and mm -hmm. I was still adjusting to being here in the States. And some guy was like, some kid, you know, we were playing in the snow Mm -hmm. The guy's like, all right. So the guy with the ball, you could grab him and slam him on the ground. <laughs> and I was like, what? Well, get out of here. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, the guy with the ball, mm -hmm. you know, you could you could slam him on the ground. And I did that. And it was such a high. And then he was like, now it's your turn. They're going to give you the ball. And they're going to try to slam you on the ground. And I just... To me, it was just such a 
you know, like a high, like, wait a minute. <laughs> I could be violent and it's okay. No penalties. <laughs> yeah, no penalties. I mean, like I could, I could slam another kid to the ground and, you know, the teachers or no one's going to say anything to me. So for me, it was like a natural fit. I was like, yes, I can do this. And then later on, you know, when I was in my late 20s and third in early 30s, I really got attracted to uh, fighting. Like I just, um, yeah. you know, the whole aspect of being disciplined and, you know, utilizing your your body as an instrument, you know, like I was really into, I mean, my workout routines were insane. I mean, I would wake up at four in the morning, throw on a 50 pound weight vest. What? Go, go mm -hmm. jogging for two or three miles, come wow. back, drink a shake, lift weights for an hour, and then go to my jujitsu gym for wow. two hours. We were not gonna do an hour and a half of Muay Thai and then an hour of jujitsu. And then that's all before I started my day. Then I would rinse off and go to work. So, um, but it's part of my personality. I, I was just too, um, whatever you want to call it, like too much testosterone or too much, you know, uh, too much energy. I, for me, if I wasn't doing something physical, I, um, I would lose my mind. Like I, I would have to do something intense yeah. and, um, you know, that's part of the reason why I got injured because mm -hmm. I owned a small residential rental business and I was getting around fine I'm in my to my appointments mm -hmm. on a motorcycle that's called a cruiser. Yeah. It's the ones you sit on. Yeah. But then I wanted to get to my appointments faster. Yeah. And I bought a sports bike. And in Chicago, with the traffic, you have to be real careful. That's exactly what happened. I, uh, I got cut off in traffic, mm -mm. young guy driving an SUV, and I, I got hurt. That's crazy. You know, was it the middle of the day? It was, um, yeah, it was like uh, 3 in the afternoon. Yep. So he obviously didn't see you, right? Start seeing motorcycles. People. Yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, using a parking lot to turn his vehicle around mm -hmm. and apparently he didn't see me wow. but it but it's ironic because uh he didn't see me and struck me and then he gave me cpr until the ambulance got there man so it's hard to not like the guy a little bit huh since he made up for what so, he did so, wrong yeah you know yeah. so I kill, huh yeah, but he had no insurance, and that made things a little tougher. Yeah. But, um, was, he a, was he a young kid? From what I gather, he was a young guy. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe fresh out of the military. I don't know yeah. something because, you know, most people don't know CPR. No, no. So what age were you at the time of your injury back in 2018? <laughs> 
uh, 40, uh, 41. You were 41. Okay. So now you're in your mid forties and what level of injury two was it? A C3? So C3 and C5. C3 to C5. So my C3 is fused to my C4. Okay. And my C5 is fused to my C6. So when you got injured, did you kind of know right away what happened to you? Or did you, do you remember the injury at all? No, no. But um, the, uh, the ironic thing with the injury is that I didn't feel any of it. Mm. I, I felt the sensation of my teeth shattering. Oh. But then I went into a dream state and I woke up 10 days later. Yep. That's crazy. And like, why do you think that happened? The dreams, that's such an interesting thing. It was just re reaction to your injury? Well, the doctors explained it to me that it's called DMT, which is mm -hmm. a chemical that your body releases into your brain <clears throat> and into your nervous system, I guess to like calm you and prevent you from going mm -hmm. into terminal shock. Oh, you know, so wow. it's like one of these things where I guess it's like a, um, like a protective measure. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. hey, hey pal, this is really gonna be hard on you. Mm -hmm. So let me give you something to distract you while you get through this. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like I don't, I didn't have any pain. I didn't, ex I didn't know anything until I woke up. Wow. I didn't, I did not know. I did not know anything. I didn't know anything. I don't, I didn't recall anything. Well, that's maybe for the best, you know, you're waking up in a hospital room, very disoriented. I bet though, probably asking what the heck happened, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, I was in complete shock. I mean, one minute, you know, I'm living the dream mm -hmm. and the next minute I'm waking up waking up in the hospital. So, yeah. I mean, I knew it was serious because of people's expressions. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So what was it like, you know, when you're first feeling your body, you know, being paralyzed and as a former, very, you're saying very athletic kind of person, what was that like? And how, you know, how are you dealing with that as someone that used to be very, very physical? Well, I mean, for me, it's surreal. Like I, um, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an ongoing battle okay. between gratitude and like disparity. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, you're grateful that you're alive. Yeah. Grateful that you made it, but you're very disappointed and you know, it, it feels like uh, something that's parallel to a nightmare, but you just have to be mature, be mm -hmm. calm, be patient, and realize that, hey, the reality is you were involved in an accident, and now you have to do the best you can mm -hmm. with what you have. Yeah. That's good. And, you know, and I think physical therapy and getting out of your chair and moving with the help of people is really great. Are you able to like access any kind of really good therapy nowadays? Or are you done with all that? Well, no, I'm not done. I mean, I need, 
I need a lot more. Yeah. There was, um, I was attending a facility called Stay and Step. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Which is intensive. Why do you say, have you heard of them? Yeah, there's a lot of activity-based therapy gyms all around. And I think I've heard of that one in Chicago, Chicago, right? No, they're in Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. Okay, cool. But it's the kind of place that also gets you out of your chair and gets you activity-based therapy, right? Yeah, it's, it's what I would categorize as. It's very, very cool. It helps a lot of people gain more function for sure. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. I was doing that for about five or six months, but I ran out of funding. Right. I have, yeah, I have Medicaid yeah. and it doesn't cover my, um, it doesn't cover intensive therapy. No, it does not. Yeah, no. So now I have to uh, get creative and find some resources. Well, I hope you can find some because I know people that raise money using Hope Help Live and all these other sites too to help raise the money for their therapy. Because you should get more therapy, I think. Yeah. What's that site called, that website? Uh, Hope Help Live. HopeHelpLive.org. And I even have a fundraiser on there too. And you can have a fundraiser on there for free and you can help, you know, get, bring attention to your issue. I could definitely point you in the right direction after the podcast. All right. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You're a perfect candidate for it. Honestly, they yeah. cater to people with spinal cord injuries particularly. So yeah, because this is good to have something going on like that. So you feel like you can get maybe out, you know, get back to where you're at when it comes to exercising. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I want to, I definitely want to be more functional. Yeah. The thing right now is uh, neurological pain. Oh, I have really? insane. I have insane neurological pain. Oh, no. I mean, it's persistent and I need, I really need to get that under control. Yep. I hear about this all the time from so many people. Is it one of those things where you feel like your body's like burning then or what is it? What's it like exactly? Yeah, it feels like, um, yeah, that's a good metaphor. It feels like, um, it feels like your body's on fire and you can't turn it off. Is it happened all the time? Is there any medication that can help or any? Yeah, I mean, I'm on medications now, but I try to take it easy on the medications. You don't want to become overly dependent on medications. And they don't always work either. Like gabapentin, I heard, doesn't always really work anyways. And it's like always kind of like sort of helps. It doesn't really 100% get rid of it, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm on gabapentin, mm-hmm. dantrolene, yeah. aclofen, mm-hmm. and um, whatever, roboxin, I think, yeah. Y- yeah, it sucks. I know. I, I, I wish they could figure out like a better treatment for this kind of pain that people go through. It's such, I feel like it's such a cruel thing. You know, being paralyzed is already hard enough. And then you have to deal with the pain on top of it. And it just seems like, oh, just do you ever like um, do any kind of like talk therapy or anything like that to try to deal oh, with the struggle? I, I mean, I do everything. Mm-hmm. My thing right now is that um, I want to remove the hardware that's in my neck. Oh, really? Because I just feel that it's impending. Like, I feel that it's interfering with the energy and the prana Mm -hmm. that travels up and down your spine. Definitely. Uh, Do you think they can remove it? Do they tell you that's possible? Yeah, I mean, they they can remove it. Cool. Um, 
I spoke to one doctor that doesn't want to remove it because he says that they did a great job and that, you know, I shouldn't be feeling any pain because of it, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yo, you don't know my body. Like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that I have pain. And then I have another doctor that, um, you know, they're willing to remove it, but they don't accept Medicaid. Oh, no. What? Yeah, so I, that's where I'm at now, trying to find a doctor that I could work with because I want to remove the hardware in my neck. Wow. I've had my hardware in my neck for 28 years, but I've never had any pain associated with my injury ever. I just am numb everywhere. Just numb. (laughs) So what what, what level are you? Where are you at? I'm a C6. I'm like chest down and it's just numb. I've I've always been fascinated by the pain stuff because I don't have any pain and I have a very complete injury. It's just numb. No pain, no burning, nothing. Just numb. So it's weird. And And you're complete? Mm-hmm. Um, technically an incomplete. I have a torn spinal cord, so a little bit still intact, and I can feel like my left foot, my left, le- my left calf, and little areas, but nothing too significant and like no I movement. Can, I can feel everything. Oh, and and move everything. No way. Yeah, but just limited. Like I can feel my legs. I can move my foot. Mm-hmm. I can feel my right wrist. Nice. I can move my fingers in my left hand. Can you raise your arms up at all? I can move. I could do a curl right with my right arm and I could slightly move my left arm to the outside. Wow. You're seriously an incomplete injury then, aren't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. you know, my thing is the hardware and then some type of healing and then intensive therapy. Man, I really hope you get back into it. I think if you got back into therapy, you could probably get a lot more, you know, since you're already moving your arms a little bit, you could go far in therapy, Ulysses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope we can help bring attention to your story, even with this podcast and we can get you to raise some money. I know there's so many expensive places around the country, whether it's Project Walk or Next Step, they all charge like at least a hundred bucks an hour, right? It's expensive. It's so expensive. It's very expensive, but Mm -hmm. I'm just disappointed that in such a wealthy country, it's so difficult for a disabled person to get access to good, you know, to good, good therapy. I mean, it should. No, I know. It's sad how they cut you off. If you're on Medicaid, you get about maybe three to four months of regular physical therapy, maybe some outpatient therapy. And then you're definitely done by six or seven months post-injury. And then they just expect you to go home and live your life in a wheelchair. But we all know if you have years of physical activity-based therapy, you can get a lot more function back, but it's, it costs hundreds of dollars and no insurance company in the United States will ever pay for that. Even if you're rich and on good insurance, they won't pay for it. it has to be all paid out of pocket. And I feel the same way though, as you do, it should be cheaper. It should be more accessible. And it's really a case of the haves and the have nots when it comes to paralysis a lot of the times as well. I know that it sucks. I've no, I've only was able to get like maybe a couple hours of activity-based therapy just for fun, like six years ago. It's a dream. It would be a dream to go on a regular basis though, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it should be a regular part of your life. I agree. 
So, well, so now let's talk about you as a dad. I know you have a couple sons, right? Yeah. What has that been like now as a dad, you know, transitioning, you know, dad with spinal cord injury? Are you trying your best to make, make things work, of course, as a dad who's not able to, you know, do what he used to be able to do? Well, yeah, I mean, now it's all about, you know, FaceTime. Yeah. You know, now I, uh, my oldest boy, my 15-year-old. Oh, 15, okay. Though You know, those those are pretty cool conversations because they're coming about, you know. They're, yeah. you know, they're becoming teenagers and young adults and they know what's going on. And then the six-year-old, he's just happy to see me whenever he sees me on the phone. Do you, so, they, don't, they don't live with you then? Huh? Where do your sons live? No, they're they're up north. Okay, I'm in cool. Tampa, yeah. Okay, so they're out of state. That's too bad. So you don't see them that much, huh? Yeah, I've um, yeah, I saw my 15 year old a couple of years ago. Okay. And I saw my six year old last year. Okay. So it's been uh, it is what it is. I mean, you just have to try to stay positive and optimistic. I mean. I have- <laughs> I have good conversations with both of them. So that's good. I try to stay as engaged as possible. Do they ever ask about your injury and have questions about that? And how do you answer that? Um, you know, though the six-year-old, he's more like, Daddy, I know you're gonna be okay. <laughs> you're gonna make it. Yeah. And um my 15-year-old, I don't know, I think he's a little. I don't know. It's like a, like a fog, yeah. you know, like um, like partially like disappointed and disconnected a little bit. So I just do my best to engage both of them mm-hmm. with things that they enjoy. That way, they associate me with joy and not, you know, like oh man, you know, like, you know, my dad's injured or, you know, mm-hmm. here goes, uh, here goes a tough moment. Like I, right. I try not to burden them That's good. With, with like, with pain. It's more like, Hey, what's up? It's, it's fun time. You know, like, you yeah. know, we're on now for half an hour. Let's focus on stuff that's fun and enjoyable. That's a really good idea. I know. As a, someone with a spinal cord injury, you have to always be worried about being a, like, even with my family and friends, I'm worried about that kind of same thing where you don't want to bring up your problems too much because, you know. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be a downer. No, Debbie Downer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you always have to be that one person, no matter who it's with. Yeah. I always find myself having to be like, you know, you know, stay at a 10. Don't, you know, don't dribble down to like a six or a five. You got to keep it at 10 because if you don't keep it at 10, it's very easy to plummet down. Damn right. So I always find myself um, out of habit being as positive as I can. So do I. I'm the same way. It's the only way to be when you're in it, like you call it some kind of a nightmare situation that we find ourselves in. It's 
Like you have to, it's the only, I feel like it's the best way to cope. And, and I've thought about it for a long time. So I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if you, yeah, have a, a shitty attitude about it, then you're just going to be miserable every day. You will be, that's a hell. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you reflect on the good things, then it's tolerable and you'll get through one day at a time. Yep. That's a good thing. Now, before I let you go, is there any website or, you know, Instagram where people can find you if they want to connect? Yeah, absolutely. You? If you guys want to follow me, you can log on to my website, which is Ulysses Martin, U-L-Y-S-S-E-S-M-A-R-T-I-N.com, UlyssesMartin.com. And then my, I have a GoFundMe going physical therapy. So there'll be an icon there for the GoFundMe. And then you could also find me on uh, my Instagram account. I'm not too active on Instagram. I have, um, I mean, there's quite a bit of history on there. Mm -hmm. I just haven't been active in the past couple months. Okay. But that's uh, Ulysses Martin Network. And you'll find me there on Instagram. Great. And TikTok, it's the same thing. Hey, babe, it's Ulysses Martin Network on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, TikTok, it's Ulysses Martin. That's Network. cool. What yeah. kind of TikTok? What kind of TikTok videos do you make? Do you like do you like funny ones? Mm-hmm. I try to do inspirational stuff. That's cool. Good I'm gonna one. find you. I, I don't do any TikTok. I feel like I'm too old, but you're no, you're older than me, so I'm gonna you do know, it. The thing about TikTok, it's like mm-hmm. I'll get on there and do something super inspirational. Yeah. And I only get X amount of hits. And then my kitten gets on there <laughs> and goes meow, meow, meow. Damn <laughs> kitten got like a half a million hits. Damn cat. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> this is always the case. Babies and animals get all the love on TikTok. It's how it is. Yeah, but my the, the best source to reach me is okay. U-L-Y-S-S-E-S, Ulysses Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N dot com excellent all right this has been a good conversation you know you're one person that i feel out of anyone i've interviewed you really need i really hope that we can get some more money for you to get back into rehab i really want to see you get some more rehab mr ulysses yeah tiff any um any resources or individuals you think i can network with let me know shoot me an email i will i will i have your email i'll be in touch okay thank you Tiff. all right thank you have a great day okay likewise yeah bye-bye